Hey guys and welcome. It's another live as per your guys' requests after we did one last week. So we're here with Stephen from The Slice. Stephen, how are you doing? Doing great, Faison. Thanks for having me on back on the show on Quality Shot. No worries. No worries. Of course, you've been kind of... You're, well, you're in Europe at the moment, right? So uh, <laughs> Canadian in the in Europe at the moment, just traveling around and you uh, a lot of the tournaments in, I guess, uh, the clay court swing as well. So I know you went to Rome as well, which looked amazing yeah. and uh, last week in Stuttgart, this week, you know, you were in uh, Berlin for a little bit. And then I know next week you said, probably not going to watch much tennis, but you're going to Mallorca anyway, which will be uh, really nice. So who knows, maybe you'll bump into Rafa if you're lucky. Uh, but yeah. how's it been? How's it been the whole trip so far? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been the experience of a lifetime, I think. Like being, I'd never been to Europe before coming here at all. So um, it was, you know, seeing all, I've watched all these events on TV before and then just being able to go to them in person it's been a dream come true and I'm very lucky um, to be able to do this. Um, yeah. We, yeah. I've been to the first one we went to was Monte Carlo. Um, that was awesome. And then we went to, and then I went to the Stuttgart WTA and then I went to Rome and then um, yeah. And then where are we now? <laughs> I don't know. And then and we, we're, I was in the UK, but then we went to um, yeah. Like you said, Stuttgart last week again for the grass. And then I was in Berlin Germany uh, for the WTA until a couple of days ago. Now I'm back home at my home base here in Switzerland, which is where I'm kind of stationed out of. So, um, yeah, been all very busy and kind of stressful in some ways, you know, not um, having much downtime, but, you know, that's what I knew what I was getting into when I came out here. So, yeah, <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah, probably hectic, but I'd imagine pretty rewarding as well. But, I guess before we get into your experiences recently, like in the grass court swing and then like get your thoughts on Wimbledon, et cetera, uh, yeah. how, how was the clay court kind of swing as well? Were you surprised as well? Like how, how it went with like Rafa and stuff? You obviously saw a lot of the players. Like uh, I know you interviewed a couple of them as well. And how, how was it in terms of seeing them uh, at Rome and other tournaments? Were you watching and thinking like who, who are your picks, I guess, going into Roland Garros and were there surprises for you or... Uh, was that actually, you know, I've, I've seen how people performing kind of in the flesh. I know this is pretty much the way it's going to go. Yeah. I, um, like I didn't see Rafa play at all in person because he, uh, you know, a lot of these tournaments, how it goes is like, we, I've I kind of go there like the first weekend, like, so like qual like while qualifying is going on, which is good because everyone's there. Um, so the players are all practicing. I mean, except for Rome, because a lot of the players were still in Madrid at the time when I was in Rome. So Rafa, I'm not sure if he was there like before I got there, because uh, I was basically there like the Friday, Saturday. But yeah, I saw like Djokovic warming up in, in person in Rome and I kind of had, or sorry, in Monte Carlo, which was his first tournament back. Um, I mean, well, his first tournament on clay, other than I think he lost in, in Dubai um, early on. But yeah, I, I said to, you know, my followers on the slice, I said, you know, I don't like Djokovic looks pretty rusty. Like, I don't think he's going to be doing too well right off the bat here. And that, you know, he lost first round or first match in Monte Carlo there. So, and I looked at a guy like Stefanos and I thought like, he's going to be a monster this year on clay. And he ended up winning, winning Monte Carlo, but then, you know, lost to Carlos in, in Barcelona and kind of, I feel like got a bit of his confidence shaken by that. And then lost to Rude in, uh, in the French open, which was like, pretty shocking i thought and um so yeah there wasn't i didn't have like the big question yeah going into into fr the french open was um was where is gonna you know where's rafa gonna be where's no novak gonna be level wise carlos alcaraz what's he gonna do um i had picked you know and going into into from what i'd seen leading up to the french open i picked i picked novak to win actually i picked rafa at the start to win because I said it's ridiculous to not choose Rafa at the French Open, no matter what, even if he gets wheeled in there on a wheelchair, which is basically what he ha happened. <laughs> like he basically rolled into the French Open with one foot and still won, <laughs> which is just like, you know, those memes where it's all like in the year 2048, Rafa still, and he has like gray hair. I feel like we were making jokes like back in like 2012, being like, it's the year 2022, and Rafa's winning Roland Garros with one hand tied behind his back now. But he's basically doing it. He literally did it with like one foot, basically. But before the match with Djokovic, I picked Djokovic to win based on what I'd seen. Djokovic had been rolling so far. Rafa 
almost lost to Felix Auger Aliassime. You know, he just didn't look anywhere near as um, potent as he has as he had been. And then he came out, proved me wrong, and played the best match of the tournament uh, against Djokovic for sure, and and uh, beat him pretty solidly. Like that. Like, what do you think, Faison? Like, when's the last time you saw Novak lose in four at a slam when he wasn't injured or just like you know, he just got straight up outplayed? Yeah, no, it's, it doesn't happen very. I mean, I guess. Not not on the clay and like when he's not got a lot of pressure on him. I, I guess the U.S. Open obviously against Medvedev was yeah, guess, a bit of a, yeah. that that was a bit of a different one, I guess, because it was, there was just so much pressure and like even someone like him who's so good at handling it wasn't able to quite get over the line. And we it just shows how hard it is to win the kind of slam. And obviously, like Rafa's got a chance potentially because he's won two. He's won the first two slams. He's never had that chance before. So that's a really interesting, I guess. Uh, was well, interesting. Like point because as you said he has been injured like he's had injuries kind of here and there but played with the injections and I don't think he's going to do the same at Wimbledon he's already said he's not going to so uh, but most likely he's going to play in Mallorca so we'll see but in terms of Novak I mean it was just a little bit weird to see him not capitulate but maybe mentally break down a little bit in that match like the crowd was clearly clearly like playing on his mind and I feel like that's the the only weakness Novak has in his whole game is that he has this emotionally charged like uh, relationship with the crowd, and sometimes it works, and it's played it's played its part in the past where he's kind of just used it to fuel him. But as he's gotten older, I feel like now it's a case of like he's thinking, you know what, I'm owed what's due. You know, I, I'm a 20, yeah. 20 slam champion. Like I shouldn't yeah. be getting booed, and I, I get that he shouldn't get be getting booed anyway. Like that's yeah. that, that's ridiculous, but. Um, I also do think like he probably shouldn't have expected the crowd to be on his side because it's Rafi. He's won it 13 times going into that. So there, there was just a little bit of, I think, uh, you know, after as well, he said, you know, of course he came back from 5-2 down the fourth set because the crowd was behind him. He was like 99.9% of them were cheering on Rafa. So it's not a surprise he came back. And I'm just thinking, but you never talk like that. Like you're always... Yeah, that's not, the, yeah, that's not say, the Novak we know. Yeah, you know like, I mean? yeah. Like if he was 5-2 up and he lost a set, he'd be saying... I should have won that set. Like I clearly like mentally, like, he, he would have said like, you know, I threw it away, but instead he was almost like accepting of it, which is weird. Um, so I think he was just fed up after that match to be fair, but yeah, just not, not the kind of Novak we're used to seeing, but I doubt we're going to see him like that for the rest of the year because at Wimbledon, he does have a kind of a big enough following and then the U S open as well. He will. So I would imagine he'll be fine. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting going into Wimbledon, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know as well what he's going to play. He hasn't, do you know, in terms of his schedule, like, is he going to be, I know last year he just played Mallorca doubles, didn't he? Yeah, he played Mallorca doubles. I don't know if he's going to be playing Mallorca this year. I actually, I think Sasha Osmo said that he's not playing anything before Wimbledon. So oh, I wow. think he's just going straight to Wimbledon, which he's actually won, I think five of his six titles not playing any grass before Wimbledon so it's crazy he, right he should be fine like the opening rounds at Wimbledon are so easy for for the for the for especially for Federer and and Djokovic who have like yep. you know our grass court masters and everyone else is just so not used to playing on the grass like those first rounds are just like nice warm-up so um you know unless they get stunned by Sam Quarry or Sergei <laughs> Stakovsky like Federer did back in the day but that's uh you don't have to worry about that. I don't think as much for Djokovic this year, but yeah, no, I don't think he's doing any pressure or warmups going into it. But yeah, like what you said about the, all that. Yeah. It was, it was just weird. Like it was, yeah, I think you're right. Novak's probably like, I think, and after the U S open where he kind of had that moment with the crowd where it was like a day of reckoning almost like he had, like he was crying on the court, like actually yeah. so appreciative of them cheering for him. I thought, I think maybe he expected it them to be on like a bit of a different, um, different place with that but it, to me like the crowd like if you're watching that match when Feder or when Rafa was Rafa came out won the first set played better and then Novak came back in the second set from a down 3-0 I think the crowd was pretty even at that point like they were cheering for both guys and I think they play, they cheered the good points both ways the thing was like in the fourth set, yeah, he was up 5-2. And then so Rafa's down in that set. So they're all the fans are just kind of always cheering for a comeback. So when Rafa's making that comeback and Rafa's won it, he had won it 13 times at that point. So he's obviously the crowd favorite anyways. But you're right. It's just so weird. It was weird to see him be so bothered by that 
or like you said as an excuse basically um yeah. when it's kind of in the story of his career um but you also can't blame him because i yeah if i had won 20 slams i'd you'd want a bit more <laughs> you can't call it respect like Djokovic fans get called like disrespect it's like it's not disrespect people it's like it's it's so weird confusing team sports with 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 individual sports but like in i think in these crowds they take the sides of the player and they treat it like the team that they're cheering for so they're gonna cheer for their guy and not cheer for the other guy a lot of the times and some like in tennis we see that as like disrespect sometimes but it's like mm. it's just the way that fans are i think like in sports it's uh i don't know yeah i, I think i i definitely agree with you. I think the, the only thing that i would say is like is disrespectful is the booing because i've never seen anyone get booed like whilst walking onto court and i, I was doing the commentary for it i don't I didn't actually hear it myself, but then I remember after everyone was saying it, and I guess that was weird, right? Like, that's kind of, that shouldn't really be the case because I know you're saying that in team sports, and I get that, but at the end of the day, it's tennis, and like, can you remember anyone else getting booed, like, walking out? I, I, it almost felt like a bit like a soccer or, like, football kind of yeah environment, which is weird. Like, that kind of shouldn't be the case, if that makes sense, because that's yeah. not what tennis is really like. I wonder how many people, like, I didn't hear the booing either. And, like, I, I pitch, like, it's got to just be a few people, right, that are doing it. It's not, like, I don't think it's, like, it would, it would be hard to believe that it would be more than, like, 10 or 20 people booing. And you're just going to hear those. Because I, yeah. I was at Philippe Chatrier court a couple times during the French Open. And it's, like, it's a big stadium, obviously. But you can, if you yell, you, everyone in the stadium can hear you. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's just a stadium. I don't know how to explain it. But, like. He's a very polarizing guy, right? Djokovic, like he, ha especially in 2022. Yeah. So there's going to be a few nuts in the crowd who like are super, you know, mad that he, you know, didn't take yeah. the vaccine or whatever. And they're going to boom because of that. So yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's representative of, yeah, it sucks that he, any booze came out, I think, because no. yeah, I do think that's disrespectful, especially for the guy who's won 20 slams. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a tough, tough match for Djokovic in that one. Um, great match for Raph. I was, I was amazed at how, he played like he just played per his perfect match basically and uh yeah it's crazy yeah it is and uh people here saying yeah he was booed when he entered the stadium that part was disrespect as vanish and doing saying even in the match versus diego oh interesting i didn't know that on long lane yeah i think he actually got booed more against diego yeah that was yeah i know <laughs> that's a, like a, Diego's of, a fan favorite isn't he he is yeah he's he's you know he's uh argentinian or no he's yeah argentinian yeah Argentinian yeah. and uh so kind of I think the Spanish background yeah Spanish speaking yeah exactly yeah but France is French so I don't know I don't know <laughs> yeah it makes no sense it's just funny there's obviously these links like you know they say like Serbian Italy so that's why like Novak I was saying that the three places he'd never get booed at it like all like the crowd will probably always be on his side is Italy yeah. Serbia um and Australia right because right. obviously his record in Australia and his home is Serbia and Italy like he just seems to have some type of affinity like in Rome he loved it and he was speaking Italian and they just kind of they like yeah. eat it up like they just love it yeah yeah um, they, they, they genuinely love it um uh, but yeah on, on the grass court swing I guess like last week in Stuttgart and stuff what were you like what how was it first of all like I guess uh you know being there as well uh, and what did you I know you obviously watched Steph as well if I'm not mistaken or um, you've watched a couple of the other players and you got to speak to Shapovalov as well, which was interesting. We'll, we'll talk about him in a second because he's been on not the best of runs, but I know he likes the grass. And I saw him last year, actually, in the quarterfinals against Hatchinov and he played a really good match. He obviously made the semis and then probably had chances against Novak, which he probably will look back on now and think, oh, maybe regret a couple of those chances. Yeah. But um, how was got overall and like what are the findings? Any surprises in terms of people that you thought uh, performing really well on grass that you weren't expecting or uh, like yeah what did you kind of find out for you for yourself personally yeah no Stuttgart was cool and I yeah I had the media credentials so I was like right in there hearing what players are saying about the grass Shapoval yeah he was super excited to be on the grass after a tough end to his clay swing even though he beat Rafa in Rome um, but then yeah he ended up losing first round to Oscar Atta in in a classic grass court match where he didn't do really anything wrong. It was just seven, six, seven, six, right. It was just two tie breaks, flip of the coin. And Oscar just plays great tennis, just smashes like first serves. And then comes to the net, like more than probably 70% of the time on his first serve. So very hard to uh, do anything there. And those matches are short, right? So I think over five sets, if this was at Wimbledon, Chapo might've won both of the set, the grass court matches he lost 
here at Stuttgart. And then at Queens, he lost to Tommy Paul as well. Um, just, I don't know, because he's more physical. And he's, I think he's a better tennis player than both those guys. Tommy Paul is very good, though. Um, but, yeah, like, the guys who I was interested in at, at Stuttgart, it was like everyone was there. It was great. Like, um, Andy Murray was there, made the final. I saw him, and I talked to him in press. Uh, Nick Kyrgios was there, obviously. Um, Matteo Berrettini, the whole tournament was, like, about Matteo because it was the boss open in Stuttgart, like, the new sponsor. So his face was literally everywhere. And I was, I was actually staying at the at the tournament hotel, so it's co- it was funny. Like the um, like in the, there was like a breakfast buffet, so I'm in like the breakfast buffet line, and we got like Hugo Humbert to the left of me, and like Matteo Berrettini to the right of me in the line eating food. We're all just like, and like Shapoval sitting like a table over from me. And it was, so it's just like very like upfront. Like I, it's cool like to be there in the vibe and just see how these guys are preparing. Um, and then yeah, Stefanos. I was I just talked about it on, on the slice. Like I. I can't figure out why Stefanos hasn't had the results on grass. And and what everyone does is they say, well, he gets rushed on the back end. The courts are too quick for him. And I don't think that that's the case. I don't think it's that simple. Like it's, it's more nuanced than that. It's the, to me, the big things are the return of serve with the backhand. Cause that to me, from what I watched, like against Andy Murray, he just, 90 probably i'm just going off the top of my head i don't actually know this but 90 percent of the first serves that andy murray hit went to the backhand of steph and it was like pretty safe it was either gonna be like a chip or a block but half the chips and blocks went into the net so it was like um and murray also served the lights out like he served very well um, and steph could have won that match so but my question to him and i actually chatted with him outside like the because in the press conference i said you know a lot of people think you don't like grass and then he took that as like oh i've never said i don't like grass so then afterwards, I kind of went and I was like, I wasn't saying that you said you didn't like grass. I was saying that people think you don't like grass. He's like, okay, yeah, they'd be wrong. And I was like, yeah, I think your game's like suited for it. And he's like, yeah, I do too. And we actually like showed him a video on my phone that I had taken of him like diving in the practice in like a warm up with Feliciano Lopez, like almost killing himself. I was like, dude, you got to can't injure yourself out there. But, you know, he's got the serve and the forehand. Like when he was playing Murray, every time Stefano's got a first serve in, like I think Murray in the first set, won only three points on the Stefano's first serve and the whole anyone that won the set in a tie break. So it was like unplayable first serve and forehand follow up. And every single first serve Stefano's was hitting a forehand afterwards. That's the big key, like almost every single one. Um, so like in that case, and I think like when he, you know, Murray's a super good grass court player. He's won Wimbledon twice. We don't have to explain that. So like, I think against any other player, he's winning that match almost. And then um, I think, Stefanos, like he's just got to figure out the slice. Like he does, he he hits the slice open stance from the baseline. You know what I mean? And that basically you can get down the back of the ball, but you can't hit through it. So his slices come back with like they're not much pace and they're very spinny, but they usually just sit there and just can get roasted again. So like the difference, like the contrast, like Federer's slice is like a knife, right? Like it's like it's not really you don't want Federer to be slicing against you because you're that means you're going to be hitting picking the ball up a foot off the ground and you just can't do anything with it so it's like a great shot for Federer but for Stefanos it's like a liability and I think that's like the real issue on grass because he he wants to play slicing the ball because he knows that that's probably better than going over it all the time but I think he should just go over it because his slice is so not reliable right now that it's it's not really working so you know, Wimbledon's where it matters. So he lost early here. He's Stefanos is going to play Mallorca next. Um, and, or I think he is, he told me he's like, depending on what happens here, which he lost pretty early. And then he lost to Nick Kyrgios in, in Hala, yep. which you, you covered. I think he'll play either Eastbourne or, or Mallorca. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of one of the guys, that, one of the guys I really focus on at, at, uh, at the boss open. And it was funny, like during the Murray match, I sat like right beside his dad, basically like, two seats over so i was beside between the murray box and the stefano box yeah stefano's box yeah it's pretty interesting like literally stefano's dad is constantly talking um i was gonna say the the big question is uh, did you hear him coaching or not (laughs) it's it's all in greek so i can't (laughs) i don't know what it is but i'm sure it's yeah i mean he's going he's saying yeah yeah, block block, slice block he's like telling him to like he's telling him what to do but to me, it's like, <laughs> I love it. God. it's such a gray area. Like it, the umpire could just call it. The ATP could come sit, you know, one of the off, off-duty yeah. line judges and sit them behind there and just make sure they're not doing well, it. 
At the Australian Open, they had someone who was Greek, an ATP official. Basically, they were standing in the tunnel, like beneath him. So he didn't know he was there. And so he was speaking Greek, but the like ATP official could hear like what he was saying, and that's why he got the violation. Right. So it's so interesting. That is interesting. Maybe they don't have the wherewithal to do that at these smaller tournaments. But I mean, it's like there's always coaching. Like it is, you know. Like is is somebody saying between every point? All right, Nick, it's all good. Let's go next point. Like, is that not coaching? Like, that's just encouraging. Yeah, but he's telling him to like focus on the next point. That's like a mental tip, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's like yeah. It's, it's always like, yeah. But I guess like Stefano's dad's probably going, yeah, stand up on the baseline. <laughs> like, slice these, like, I think I think when he's saying, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, when it, when it's that detail, you're a bit like, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, the slice part's really interesting. And actually, Gene's saying, hey, slice is too floaty, like you were saying, sits up on the grass. And yeah. uh, Vance saying, Steph's been working on the slice for three years now with Patrick. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting yeah. one. Like his slice, like yesterday when I was covering uh, him versus Kyrgios, and I was thinking, I, I get your point about saying, you know, maybe he should just drive for the backhand. I don't think he's super comfortable, though, taking it at his ankles, that, that one-hander. Because um, on the clay... He's one of the only one-handers I've ever watched that actually doesn't mind taking it at shoulder height. Like, yeah, he doesn't right. mind that. He'll take it at shoulder height, he'll take it at kind of waistline. But I feel like the lower it gets, the kind of less comfortable he feels, like when it's that kind of like kind of ankle height. Uh, and the slice is interesting because you're saying about taking the open stance. And I guess if he doesn't want to look at someone like a Federer, then look at someone like a, like a Berrettini. Like, Berrettini doesn't have a particularly good backhand, but it's such an aggressive slice. Like, he manages to kind of slice through it with a lot of pace and also get spit on it as well. Mm. Um, and that's like, it's such a useful like tool because it really does mask the weakness in his backhand, Berrettini, like on the grass. Uh, whereas mm. on other surfaces, he doesn't really have, like the slice is potent, but not as potent obviously as it is on the grass. So I think like the serve forehand, we you know on the, on the clay is like such a massive plus. And if you can do it on the grass, like as you said, he's going to have success because he's got one of the best serve one plus plays like in terms of serve and forehand, uh, like in the game, like genuinely yeah. he does. So, um, yeah, top five for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just incredible. Like, honestly, it could be like top two. Like it's like so good on grass and like on when he's hitting his first serve, it's so good because he run he, he runs around his backhand better than anyone. I think. Yeah. Sure. Like he, he can hide that backhand even on grass. Well, like, yeah. When he's serving on grass, like, like there's a crazy stat Matthew Willis on Twitter put out, um, it was something I can't, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was about what percentage of the time Stefanos is hitting a forehand after his first serve, even against Murray, who's like, you know, one of the top all time returners on grass. Yeah. And it was like Murray basically didn't get any balls to Stefanos's backhand on the first serve, like throughout the entire match. Like it was just like domination. So yeah, it's a, it's a weakness for him. And that's a, that's a good point Fizan, about the, yeah. Berrettini is able to hide the weakness on his backhand. Um, but I guess, I mean, like, tactically, there's, like, enough balls that, like, you're going to get through at a match that are, like, normal, like, strike zone. Yes. Yeah. I feel like Stefanos should just hit through. Yeah. Like, even Federer hits through more backhands than Stefanos was, basically. And, like, you know, I'd say their top spin backhands are pretty, like, similar levels. So, it's, like, it's, it, it, I feel like he's just, he's, like, I should be slicing on grass because it's, like, a grass thing to yeah. do. And, like, maybe, <laughs> yeah. and maybe he's just trying to work on it, too. Like, I don't know. But, like, it, he was, like, doing it so much and it's, like, he doesn't get anywhere with it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely something to work on uh i guess the interesting thing was that i was watching yesterday and it, it's very true as well the backhand return like the block return it's just like it's not serviceable at the moment you really does struggle with it and curios like won a lot of points going into that side as well so uh, yeah it's also tough it's probably a bit of a skewed thing because you're like it's it's nick curios you're playing it yeah like, Literally I mean, the best serve on tour. So it's like Kyrgios and Murray have big first serves, especially on grass, right? So yeah, yeah, and like Kyrgios has like probably like the biggest, and like he's like has the most accurate big serve. So it's like you know takes the like let's let's watch Stefanos at at Wimbledon the first few rounds when he plays guys who don't serve that big and who aren't that good, and I think he's going to get rolling at Wimbledon. I think if he wins two or three matches, then he'll start to get that confidence down, and then and then we'll see. And I think. Is it right that the courts slow down as the as the match go, as the tournament goes on? I always forget because they get more chewed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah they slow so, down slowly. Yeah. You know, I think that's going to help him uh, if he can get because he played like what was it last year? He played. Um, he lost in the first round. TFO. Yeah, to I'm can't, TFO. TFO. Yeah, 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 in the first round, those are quick courts. TFO likes a fast court, and TFO's a good player. Right, he's got great hands. So 
Um, that's a tricky first round match, obviously. So, but so if, with Stefanos, I think he'll be top four seed at at Wimbledon. Is that right? Cause yeah, because and, and, uh, yeah, because yeah, because of Medvedev and Zverev, yeah, yeah, exactly. So right, he'll yeah. probably get, he'll definitely get an easier first round um, than uh, than last year. So we'll see. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Uh, I've got to ask you about Shapovalov first of all. Like, congrats on the interview. It's it a yeah. really good interview. Actually, I watched it. Uh, do check it out, guys. If you haven't already, obviously it's on uh, Stephen's channel, The Slice. Um, but. Yeah, like he seemed like super confident in the way that you're speaking in terms of like on the grass, like very comfortable. Like, and, and you could tell that he is comfortable. Like when I watched him live last year, the only thing that I could point out was that his toss is just all over the place sometimes on his serve. And he doesn't like, because it's such a high toss as well. Like the day that I went to watch the quarterfinals, the wind was like really strong on that day. Oh, yeah. And he was catching his toss a lot. And like, you could tell like he wasn't particularly comfortable on it. And that's why he ends up hitting a few double faults. Uh, but generally like his game is suited for the grass like obviously he's got and he's got a really good one-hander as well uh he moves and like moves really well on the grass and seems to kind of just enjoy the surface generally but his results you said obviously against Tommy Paul and and Otto like yeah okay I, I I get what you're saying like he can lose those in a best of three but I guess probably not the best preparation like going into uh or like as we kind of approach Wimbledon and since losing to Rafa the Australian Open he's really had like a really like bad patch really, uh, and I guess on the clay it was understandable. Now we're kind of approaching it when the grass got swing. I think things are going to change. But what's yeah. your what's your view on it as a Canadian as well, and obviously someone who's probably watched all his matches and talking to him? Like, yeah. How do you think he's going to fare? I think he'll be fine at Wimbledon. Um, for the first, like if he goes out first round, it's like full panic. It's like fire your entire team. Like go into go into a meditation retreat in South America or something. Like it's it's you gotta that's. But he's playing Mallorca next. Anyways, but yeah, since since the Australian Open and he won the ATP Cup with Canada, made quarters at Australia, I think, right? Um, yeah, courts lost to the down five. Probably lost to the down five. Well. You know, arguably, you know, yeah, like he wasted a lot of energy getting mad at something that he probably shouldn't have. And, you know, I think Rafa was super beatable that day. He was super be- Rafa was super beatable in like almost every match in that tournament. And then he just kept winning like, Nevedev just like threw himself on the sword, basically. But um, the like yeah, since then he he lost. I think he made the semifinals of Dubai and then lost to somebody he shouldn't have lost to. Um, and then yeah, it's been tough. And like, there's no real like rhyme or reason. It's the the times he's lost when he shouldn't have. It's been because of the classic Shapovalov like weaknesses where he just is very inconsistent on the day for whatever reason. Um. But yeah, I'd call it the curse of Rafa. He beat Rafa on clay, and then he lost to Rude, and then he lost to, in the first round in Geneva to Ivashka, and then he lost in the first round of Roland Garros to Holgarun, and then he lost in the first round, yeah, of 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 uh, Stuttgart, and then and yeah. then uh, Queens. But it's nuanced because there's pressure. Like I don't know, like there, it's obviously tough at the top of the game, but he with Wimbledon points getting stripped this year, he, he told me, and he, I'd seen that in the media before that, you know, it was on his mind going into the French open. He didn't, he didn't play the French open 2021, if you remember. So he had anything, he, any points he got there would be at, like, would be gained points for him. So he knew that he wouldn't be able to defend the points at Wimbledon, which is 720 points, which would drop him about eight or nine spots in the rankings, which when you're top 15, that's a big deal, you know? So, He's like, oh, I can make up points here at the French Open if I make it, you know, like the fourth round or something. Um, but then he has Holger Rune, who's like world beater, like on the hottest streak ever in the first round. And yeah, he just played a terrible match because I think he felt that pressure. And Holger Rune's game is the exact game that would hurt Shapoval, just a consistent, deep, heavy balls. Holger doesn't really beat himself um, as much, usually. Um so that was tough and then it was just and then now it's just like yeah you just kind of now it's like oh you lost another one you lost another one now it's now you've lost five in a row and now it's a thing i think it was definitely a thing versus paul and queens because queens he also had a bunch of points to defend which he i guess could have defended like i think um you're allowed like queens had keeps their point or they you're allowed to get points this year in queens right so Yeah, yeah. yeah so i think he made semifinals at queens as well um last year so he just lost all those points and he's you know, you draw Tommy Paul in the first round. That's no easy match. Um, 
And yeah, even I like did a little bit of a live stream at the end. Like he had in the, they came out for the final set the next day because of the darkness rule. And, you know, he, he held easily and then he had loved 43 break points on the Tommy Paul serve and like lost that game and then like lost the set um, and then lost the match. And it's like, yeah, it's just a tough rut here for him. As for, and it's not like, there's nothing super wrong with his game that I can see. It's just like, he's just lost two super tight matches on the, on the grass. And played poorly at the end of the clay swing but yeah i don't know i think it's but now there's pressure because he's also with a new coach who's his friend peter polanski who isn't you know he's a player technically still peter polanski like he hasn't retired but he's kind of like he i talked to him in in geneva and he said you know he's just kind of thinking he's like well maybe i want to like coach now because i'm getting old you know i've always been a challenger player so you know coaching chef valve is obviously a big opportunity top 15 player um but it's not going well. <laughs> like it's like yeah, the the results. I mean, Rome was a great result. Like that was yeah, made I think quarters and beat Raft. So that's like oh, that's perfect. And then it's just since then five losses in a row. So yeah, they need a they need some wins at at Mallorca and at Wimbledon for sure. Yeah, I'd say. No, agreed, agreed. And uh, yes, yeah, saying what you were saying about remember he changed coaches from Delgado to Polanski. He wasn't with Delgado for very long, was he as well? Yeah, and I and, don't uh, I don't know who initiated that change. I heard some gossip yeah. on I actually heard some gossip on like the court, like the practice court of his in Geneva. And it was just like I, I didn't really catch exactly what was said, but it was like I wasn't I'm not sure if Plan if Delgado just left or Chapaval fired him, but or like there was original rumors that he was just taking off the clay swing and he was going to come back for grass, but Peter Polanski didn't say anything. He said, "Yeah, I'm the full time coach now." I'm like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I have heard that. The gossip I heard is that Jamie Delgado has done that before to other players, just like left them in like the middle of tournaments Fair basically enough. to go coach somebody else. So that's I don't quite know. funny. That's yeah. all hearsay, but that's a little. Nugget for the quality <laughs> shot listeners. Good gossip. Yeah, Jesus. Can't understand why Shapiro is frustrated about Wimbledon, but at least he should win a few matches. He made the semis, obviously, against uh, Nori, lost there in Queens. And um, uh, Tushar says, wouldn't be surprised if Shapiro loses first round Wimbledon either. Be surprised, as we were both saying. But yeah, yeah. Just, Doug is on Wait, a trial basis for Radicani. Is that true? Not sure. I'll try to look that up. Vanch, but, uh... I need sources, buddy. You can't just be that's huge. <laughs> that is huge, if that's the case. Um, Actually, what we'll do is, because uh, I know you need to leave in a bit as well. So what we'll do is I just want to get your view on Berlin because yeah. you talked a little about Stuttgart, but Berlin also you talked to uh, Andrescu for a second time as well. Seems to have a really good relationship with her as well. She's She yeah. seems really nice, by the way, as well. Uh, she seems like a really lovely person. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she she's a great interviewee as well, to be honest with you. Uh, but what was the insight you got? Obviously, you know, everyone, if you want to actually listen to the full interview and go over to see the channel and have a have a watch, but uh, what was the feeling you got from her? Because she obviously had like a pretty good clay court swing, considering that you know she's yes. not really played many matches on the clay. Uh, like it was, it was a good. I thought it was a good clay court swing. Uh, yep. Some good wins there as well. Now going into Wimbledon, like it's a surface where again doesn't have much experience on it, but uh, she's clearly got like she's got a game that should be able to transfer onto all courts. Like she shouldn't just be a hard court player. I think like she's right. got a good enough game. Uh, what, what's your feeling around her in terms of like her expectations for Wimbledon? Because like when she was talking to you, she kind of was saying, "Look, you know, it was almost like take it one day at a time. Like, don't really uh, have like huge expectations or get disappointed. But obviously, I'm ambitious and I want to win. But I'm not going to let it kind of drag me down. If that makes sense uh, mm-hmm. from what I could from from what I heard. But what's your what's your take on it? I think my take is that yeah, she's says she's in a great place and it seems like she is. And the big takeaway is she says, you know, the losses now just motivate her to get on the court the next day and want to get better instead of just, you know, she said beforehand she would have to take a few days and she'd just like stay in bed. And like, and just, like it was, you know, it was like really, she felt bad about herself when she lost, which obviously it's normal to feel disappointed and sad when you lose. Like the bet, like Rafa, Nadal, Djokovic are all going to be, you know, very upset when they lose big matches. Um, but yeah, it's it's the ability to turn it around and not take it as part of your identity, obviously, or or judge yourself. Um, and at, now it seems like she's doing that. Um, she, I think, it can be great on the grass. And if you watched her match against Pliskova yesterday, she should have won that match. She she was serving for the match, and she was really the better player for the last two sets. She broke Pliskova's serve four times, which on grass is pretty insane. You know, Pliskova made this Wimbledon final last year, so. 
her game is very, she's just so talented. Like that's like goes without saying she won the U S open. And um, I would be very surprised if that's the only major she wins. Like I have more, I think she's more like much more talented than, than, um, than Emma Raducanu. Sorry to say face and for the, for the Brits, but I think she's actually like quite a bit more talented and like quite a bit better game. And I think when they get back to that level or when she gets back to her full confidence, um, it'll show. And it's, on grass, I think it's great because she's with her new coach, Sven Groenveld, who's a very experienced coach. She's learned to like really, yeah, come up in the court and come forward a lot better and just be more, you know, she's always been creative with her game, but um, she's the amount she came forward against Pliskova. And then she ended up winning, I think, 20 out of 28 points at the net yesterday. Super good. Um, so I think, yeah, she can do great at the grass. And yeah, she's a great interviewee and she's been very nice to us like really fun to talk with and she's like not doesn't just give out pro answers and uh well to some you know the interviewer i think has a lot to do with it you got to like ask not normal basic boring questions and that's what i try and do but um yeah we've done two interviews now and i feel like you know she's a definite friend of the show and uh she's cool so yeah we we definitely cheer for bianca and jessica over here because she's a great person and great player because really, like, in your opinion, on the WTA, who is like has a higher ceiling than her? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure there's well, not like Iga Swiatek. Like, Swiatek, I guess. It's, like, it's, yeah, a, it's, but... it's a small handful, right? Like, she's one yeah, of the she's... top top talents. Like, yeah, 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 agreed. Like, she's, de- she's probably top in terms of ceilings. I'd say maybe top five yeah. um, in terms of like the, the younger players, definitely. And I think she's got a more complete game than Raducanu at the moment. That's the thing. I think Raducanu, what she what she does is she has certain aspects of her game that are very good, but she doesn't have a particularly all-round all kind of like complete game. Whereas I feel like Andrescu's kind of, she's all, her foundations, let's say, are better than Radicanu's generally, uh, yeah. if, if, if that makes sense. And, yeah. and so her ceiling will come from consistency, I guess. And she talks about that, uh, I guess, on your interview about her serve, for example. And I guess that probably like, reared its head yesterday because she broke Pliskova four times but obviously ended up losing the match right so it means that her serve isn't like maybe as being as reliable as she would like but yeah 9-7 in a tiebreaker I mean can happen to anyone yeah. as well that's the other thing and she so, served yeah. for it and then she the crazy thing is she hadn't lost a point in the third set on her serve like 17 points <laughs> in a row before that fifth that final uh-huh. game and then it was like two double faults uh, and like an unforced error yeah. so it's definitely some nerves um, which is normal because you're coming back, you know, you you want it so bad when you're coming back and you're ranked yeah. like 70 in the world and you have to win matches to get your ranking up and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, no. super close match. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, Vance says, Delgado is on a trial basis by the way, Radicani. So it says, sorry, recent article says she's considering Delgado. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I cool. Don't uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, like, yeah, take that job at your own peril, sir. Yeah, uh, exactly. Anyways, we don't exactly. think that I get on that. <laughs> yeah cool let's get to some of the questions then yeah. um so tashar says what are rafa's chances that women if he plays and how important is it for Djokovic to win to keep up with rafa in the slam race tashar great question thanks for the question um i don't think rafa's chances are that good at wimbledon um but i didn't think they were very good at the australian open <laughs> so i'm always happy to be surprised but i think if rafa and novak play at wimbledon it would be quite heavily favored Novak. Um, and I, I think there's just a ton of guys who could be like, if, honestly, if Berrettini played Rafa at Wimbledon right now, I'd take Berrettini. Um, so yeah, not as high, I would say, but definitely able to do it. I also, you know, that's the surface where he moves the less, the least well. So um, is, we'll see how his foot is at. And yeah, I think, for Djokovic personally, it's super important for him to keep up with Rafa in the slam race. Like he's he's the only one out of the big three who's talked about the records mattering to him, basically. Um, so he he cares about that. And yeah, if he doesn't win Wimbledon, um, I mean, I still feel like he's got years left where he can be very competitive. So I still feel like he's going to end up with the most. But um, if he if he doesn't win Wimbledon, yeah, it'll be a lot of more pressure. It'll be very interesting because then he won't. If he doesn't win Wimbledon, he won't be holding any of the slams for the first time in probably like a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. That's it's big. I think it's big. It's big. Yeah, it's big. I think he'll have more pressure there. But I also feel like the the field is so weak. It, there's really no other way to, to say it for me like that mm. on grass at Wimbledon for him. Like last year, it was like I think we talked after last year's Wimbledon. It was like yeah. 
one of the easiest slams that one of the big threes won in a long time. Um, you know, they've all had easier runs to the slams and others like Federer 2018 Australian Open, Rafa 2019 US Open, I would say maybe, um, and 2017 US Open. Um, but he, yeah, he, it's, I just think the we the field, the, 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 the grass season is so short. All the young guys don't know how to play on it. Yeah, so it just it, it just makes it so that Djokovic has a massive competitive advantage against those guys. Yeah. And he uses that well. Agreed. Yeah, the more experienced players definitely have an advantage because they're like the missed year as well at Wimbledon. So these younger players who are like next gen, they've missed a whole year of like yeah, grass or stuff, which doesn't help as well. And he, as you said, it's a it's a short swing. Uh Gene says, Who are your well, what are your Wimbledon favorites in order right now? I think he said top five. Yeah. Um answer. Novak. That's oh, tough because Vera and Medvedev are out. And those are two guys who I would have had like pretty high up there, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's even worse this year. So yeah, I'd say Novak and then Rafa if he's healthy. And then I would put Berrettini, Sitsipas, Felix. How's JL you seem? Okay, interesting. No, Alcaraz. Yeah, probably. Even, yeah. oh yeah, it's Alcaraz. Yeah, I forget about him now. But <laughs> again, we don't know. I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. With Alcaraz, like he likes the ball. Again, he can hit the ball at shoulder height as well as anyone. And he, I think he likes that. And on grass, you're just not getting as many balls up there. So we'll see. I think, yeah, he's right up there as well. Like Carlos's top seven for sure threats at Wimbledon. Yeah. No, agreed. Vlad says, will Roger Federer play Wimbledon one more time? That's one for you as a, as a Roger fan. Yes, he will. He will. I mean, barring like, more injuries like he's going to come back this year and i think he'll play until wimbledon next year maybe do like a retirement thing at wimbledon next year which yeah. I think would be epic. yeah agreed yeah. and uh how do you think andreska will do what do you think i guess if you were to predict where she ends up i it draw it plays a massive part but if you were to predict i guess yeah draw plays a huge part because she's ranked like 70 in the yeah, world now so it's, it's she can get um she can get you know plishkova first round but she showed yesterday that she can definitely beat Pliskova, who's one of the top players on grass. So I think she could beat, she can beat anyone on grass. Um, so it depends on the thing. But I would, I would, I would not be surprised if she made like fourth round, quarterfinals type thing. Um, you never know. But I, she, yeah, she's always, she always gets into these three set matches, right? Like she'll be like win the first set, lose the second set, or like lose the first set and then like come back to win it. So she's often rides the line a bit too much, and I think. On grass, there's not as much room for error as uh, as she found out yesterday because you know it, it it can be harder to break serve even though it's less hard to break serve in the in the women's game for sure. And yeah. Bianca's an amazing returner, so agreed, agreed. It's just one feast, dark horse. <laughs> no, 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 no. At Wimbledon, I don't think he's a dark horse anywhere anymore. It's just like sad, like. <laughs> Not sad, like he's a great. I mean, he was playing Made the quarters, so didn't he? Made the quarters of the US Open, wasn't it? Yeah, last, when was that last year? Last, last year, yeah. We lost to Berrettini yeah. in four sets, he was very, very close there. Wasn't that the year before? No, no, last year because Berrettini beat one feast and he played Rafa in the semis. And um, no, that yeah. was definitely the year before. That was 20. No, 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 sorry, I'm talking about Australia. I'm talking about Australia. Maybe. No, but Berrettini and Monfils did have an epic, I think, quarters in, yeah, it was the 2019 US Open. Because Rafa played Berrettini in the semifinal uh, yeah. and he played Medvedev in the final. Sorry, it was a um, five-setter Australian Open this year. Okay, Quarter yeah. final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is, made the quarters, Australian Open this year. I know, but that's like, you know, quarters is like not, you know, you, that's good. That's good for him, unfortunately, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, at the beginning of his career, you would have hoped that quarters wouldn't have been a good result <laughs> yeah no agreed yeah. <laughs> agree agree Jesus, do you think Sviontek is beatable at Wimbledon I know she's probably the huge favorite but I don't know if she can keep it up I uh, like I well someone said to me that look they think that Sviontek is like Sviontek versus the field at Roland Garros but at Wimbledon it's like the field versus Sviontek as in like you take the field maybe over Sviontek but you wouldn't mm. pick a specific person what, what's your what's your view on it yeah, I think I you'd probably I'd pre, I'd probably take this field over Sriantec at Wimbledon, but it is still like that. But I think there's like definitely players who could like beat her, and it's a totally different surface where she hasn't really proved herself yet. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, it's definitely like 
there was no doubt in my mind that she would win the French Open from before the tournament started, basically. Um, and I think that's definitely different than uh, on grass, like at Wimbledon. So I think there's players who could beat her, like Pliskova, Andrescu, you know, Sabalenka. Oh, well, she won't be there, so never mind. Um, yeah, yeah, so ridiculous. Um, the Yeah, so like Halep, who's been, you know, historically good on grass. Like there's a lot of players there who could... Yeah, Serena. Serena. I'm like, yeah. Um, the Serena, the Serena Circus. I don't know what's going on there. We'll see if she uh, shows up. We'll see. But um, yeah, she can. Oh, she Shiratek's probably the favorite. Yeah, definitely ought to be the favorite. And I think her game, the way she hits and stays over on the baseline, anyways. Like you just feel like she's going to be good on grass. But maybe it'll get uh, tricky. You never know. You never know. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. Last one then. Gene uh, says, "Do you think somebody like Kyrgios could be a dangerous opponent for Novak or Rafa in the early rounds?" Absolutely, yeah. In the early rounds, is the nightmare for them because he could, if he what like what happens if he wins the first two sets? Like he's, I know he's out of shape. Like he's not that out of shape actually. And like he, I know he's probably not going to go a physical five setter. But if he gets like I, I think against Rafa, he could be a serious threat. Um, obviously, he beat him before at Wimbledon. Um, they did play in 2019, I think, and he and Rafa was feeling good that year, and he. Um, and he just beat him straight up. So, yeah. And against Djokovic, yeah, there'd be a big mental game as well because, you know, Kyrgios would be bringing the fire and he's beat him. He's 2-0 and against Novak. So it'd be uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, but Kyrgios, I could honestly see making like quarters or, or semis at, at, at Wimbledon this year, like having his best ever run because he's he's focused and he's, you know, he's smart. His game's developed and he's, yeah, he's made semis at, at Stuttgart, losing a close one to Murray. And he's in the quarters now at uh, at Hala, playing well again. So we'll see. It's always uh, you never know with Nick, but it's always fun to watch. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to be honest with you, Rafa and Novak will both not want Nick in their in their half or quarter or section, even if that makes sense, because we don't know how far he's actually going to go. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and sorry, let's oh, one last one then, uh, and then we'll wrap up if that's okay. What are your thoughts on Corder? Such a talented player, but he lost the bus. Do you think he's overrated a bit? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a bit overrated, but like, yeah, I don't know. His serve is not good enough for how tall he is. Like, I walked by him in Monte Carlo, <laughs> and he's literally so tall. He's like six yeah. five, but he looks like he's like seven feet tall. Like, he's like a tall dude. His toss is like way too high, um, so it's inconsistent. So yeah, I don't know. Like, he's a bit passive and kind of like, I don't know. He's I mean, once you get to a top 30, like you're an unbelievably good player and like your career is already a success. So it's like the problem that we all have and I definitely have is like every new player that comes up, I'm like, how many slams is this guy going to win? It's like this winning a slam is hard to do. Winning multiple slams like Djokovic, like it's just like those, none of these guys, I'm saying including Carlos, will ever get to the level of Federer Nadal Djokovic in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, it's been insane to watch the commentary around Carlos. Like he hasn't, yes, he's won some crazy, like he, that, yeah, he's beaten Novak and Rafa, but they are 36 now that he's not beating Rafa <laughs> and Novak when they're 24. Right. Like, let's be yeah. honest. So he's, he's not, he's won some masters this year, but to think that he's now going to win 20 slams is like ridiculous, but he will win slams. Let's put it, let's say that. But Korda, <laughs> yeah, is a bit, maybe a bit overrated, but he's still super young and has all the tools to be like an elite, elite player. So yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I'm never going to call, I'm never going to call. So I, I'm not, I'm not calling him overrated. I'm not never going to call a young guy like that overrated because <laughs> they still got uh, so much left to prove. Yeah. Yeah. Black Dragon says, uh, Casper is a 30. This is insane. Yeah. It's true. That is insane. That is. It's true. It's, uh, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have a question? Do I have a question for you? If that's okay. Yeah. Last question is, um, Last one is on uh, the on the seedings, I guess, because at Roland Garros, right, the whole of the top half was was stacked. And what my view on it is that they should change it so that it's a combination of rankings and like previous like results at that slam. I think Wimbledon used to do that, but they stopped doing it. What's your view on it? I don't know because it's I I probably don't agree with that. I like in the older days they I think they they do thirty two seeds now at the tournament, right? So they used to only do sixteen. Um, so that means like the 17th ranked player could play the first ranked player in the first round. 
Um, so it was like way more of a gamble. Like, so like, th like that has helped Novak, Rafa and Federer be so consistent at the slams over these years. Cause most of their career has been played when they're going to play a qualifier or someone ranked very low in the first round or two and just get into the slams. Right. So there's less like top 20 guys that you're going to play in the first or second round, which used to be like very pretty common. Like if you look at, if you look at like, yeah, like the early rounds of like some of those majors in like 2002, it'd be like top 20 guys playing each other in like the first or second round at a slant, which has never happened like in the current system. Right. So um, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the draw. Like people are getting so mad that like, and like, I've heard like really, you know, people say, like Patrick McEnroe say that they have to change it. It's like, I don't know. No, they don't. It's like Rafa and Djokovic playing in the quarters is like, yeah, it's bad for the tournament, but, and like, but that's just like, it's why it's called a draw. I feel like, yeah. and I, I just feel like it's good in a way though, because it means that they've got more chance of playing. Right. I guess each other rather than getting upset, I guess that's the other thing as well. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, if, if they were set to meet in the final, honestly, Rafa and Novak could have like lost before the final. So you never yeah. know, but um, I don't know. It's a tough one. And I could see it. I could see both sides to it for sure. Especially with the clay ranking. It's like, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous for Rafa <laughs> yeah. to be outside of the top four at, at Roland Garros ever. Yeah. So, um, in that case, yeah, maybe they should take. I would take in the clay ranking. I yeah, I guess I'm talking about maybe something different than you're talking about. Like I would take in yeah, maybe I would be okay with taking into the clay ranking like they used to at Wimbledon. Yeah, so it would just be a mix, right? So you take in the rankings and then yeah. you say, okay, well, Rafa's one thirteen, Roland Garros. So what what he was like ranked? I think was he number six seed, right? Five, yeah, five. six, I think. Yeah, he's six. Okay, so let's say okay, well, he's one. 30 or on Garros, so maybe we move him up two spots, for example. He's not going to be number one, but he might be four or three. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just, and it does make a difference. Like, Federer, for example, right? Like, if he was to play this year, would he be seeded because he's won right. it so many times? I don't know. Like, should he be seeded or no? Like, I don't know. But his rankings yeah. are obviously terrible at the moment. So, like that, yeah. but then it kind of gives you like a, an option, right? So, yeah, that's um, a tough yeah. one. That's a very tough one. So, I don't know. I've, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think maybe stay, <laughs> maybe stay the same, but like, because now it's just because you also don't want to penalize guys who play full seasons, you know, like, so Zverev's yeah. like rightfully earned. He's in the top four ranking. So now he's going to drop out of the top four seating and have less chance at, at the French Open because of that. It's like, I don't know. I think all the tinkering with the rankings needs, needs to stop for sure. And, um, the rankings has become so like almost like meaningless in the last two years because like it's been changed by everything the pandemic like the war in ukraine like you know yeah. everything's like affected the rankings and made it not like it used to be so i don't know i'm, I'm kind of i'm i'm team stay the same stay the same yeah no fair enough cool well thanks so much Stephen. i know you've uh you've got uh, well, a train or plane or something to catch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, enjoy Mallorca, even if you're not going to see tennis. Enjoy at least a bit of time off anyway. Um, and yeah, the, the sunshine. I'm sure it will be baking out there as well. Um, hopefully, very nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which will be cool. good. But yeah, but yeah. Thanks, thanks everyone. For as well. I appreciate it. And uh, quality shot community. It's been awesome to be here. Appreciate you guys, and you guys are a lot of fun. So we'll see you again soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you check out Stephen's channel, of course, The Slice Tennis, and also on all socials as well. Um, yeah, at The Slice. Cool. Thanks very much, Stephen. Really appreciate it, guys. Stay safe and well. Remember to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new. We'll see you on the next video. See you guys.